then the riots happened. And I remember just watching the TV and feeling like, look at all these, these amazing young black people. I'm sick of it being the only time that we're seen on TV is when it's negative or when you want to be, oh, these thugs and X, Y, Z. And I just thought, we need to be seen for more than this. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Curl Squad's Curl Power Podcast with me, Zoe Fox. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it as always. A lot of my inspiration for starting this podcast and just for this whole Curl Squad thing really is just to amplify the voices of people who inspire me and to amplify the voices of those people who are working for the betterment of humanity and for people who just have visions that are greater than themselves alone. And in this episode, I'm going to be speaking to Renee Davis. She's a writer, journalist, and she is the founder of Out the Box, which is an incredible organisation that helps to equip young, black, entrepreneurial and creative talent with skills And they do that through their events, their workshops and their opportunities. And they have great content on their socials too. We'll be talking about that time when Renee took a pair of Ikea scissors to her friend's hair. We'll talk about people and their opinions on your natural hair journey. Learning to feel attractive. The impact of the video vixen. Creating out the box. Renee's collaborations with brands to upskill the community and divine alignment. So today on the Curl Squad's Curl Power podcast, I have with me Renee Davis. She's an esteemed writer, journalist and founder of the award-winning hub for the Black Entrepreneur at the Box. Hello, Renee. Hey girl, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate that. No problem. Thanks for having me. So to warm up the conversation, we're just going to jump into a little quick fire round Mm -hmm. and it's all based on a hair tip. So are you ready? Yes. Let's roll. Satin bonnet or satin pillowcase? Bonnet. Hair up or hair down? Up. Edges natural or edges laid? Laid. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Laid. Laid and slayed. Laid. Uh, wash day a chore or a vibe it's a chore at the moment yeah 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 that definitely resonates <laughs> it's a chore at the moment like I have to even this weekend I'm like I need to wash my hair this week, and I'm just like oh yeah I'm the same and I'm like I'm like oh tomorrow and then tomorrow's a week and then next thing you know I've got dreads forming in the back <laughs> it's just like the wash day is just a whole event it's a chore yeah um volume or definition definition Day one hair or day three hair? Day three. Uh, diffuse or air dry? I don't do any, you know. I don't, sorry, air dry. But when I say that, I mean, I don't do wash and goes. So I don't use a diffuser. So yeah. I guess when I wash my hair and I've twisted it up or plaited it up, then yeah, air dry. Um, do you have any certified go-to products or accessories? Uh, my um, Tangle Teaser when I'm yes. tangling on wash day my scrunchie because I try, I try not when I have my hair up now I try and use scrunchies because they don't pull on your hair mm-hmm. scrunchies eco styler gel is a massive staple for me because I always have my hair back and off 
castor oil, Jamaican black castor oil is really good for my hair and a good deep conditioner, good moisturizer, good leave-in. Have you got any preferred <laughs> brands on the deep, yeah? Sheer Moisture is really good for deep conditioning. I really like Activilong. Mm -hmm. Their products are amazing. And at the moment I'm using African Pride. I've got a coconut line, I think. I've been using that and that's been really good on my hair. But do you know what I've realised? I'm not stuck to one particular brand of products. I like Cantu stuff as well. But I'm not stuck to them. As long as they do the job and I'm using them correctly, my hair's actually okay. So yeah. I swap and change quite a lot. But the ones that I mentioned are probably the ones that I've used the most. My L stuff as well. Thinking about growing up, did you have any uh, curl icons or natural hair icons? Not one. Yeah. Not even one because everything I saw on TV and everyone that I knew growing up, the adults, everyone's hair was relaxed. Mm. So my mom had really long hair, actually. Her hair was like long, she was relaxed. But I feel like seeing her hair, I was like, I want my hair exactly like that. But I, I didn't know, obviously, at the time it was a relaxer. So my mom relaxed my hair when I was really young, actually. And it was just easier for her to do my hair and manage. And I liked how it looked. And she taught me how to style and manage my hair. So I guess my mom was probably a hair icon in that sense. But in terms of like celebrities and media, yeah, there wasn't any. I don't think anyone that I saw or knew was rocking their natural hair like that when I was a little girl. Maybe when I was a teenager, I saw people and thought, oh, they have beautiful curls. But being natural didn't cross my mind at all. So mm. girlfriends, Joan, Joan used to. And this was the time when nobody was rocking their hair like that at all in the early 2000s. And I just like her hair is amazing. People like Jill Scott. Yes. Rocking, their nat rocking her natural people like Khalees. Like she yeah. came on the scene with curls. Yes. Like proud, curly and proud. That was the whole idea. proud. So to be fair, I'd say when I was a, a young teenager, then I started to see more women, black women, rocking mm. their natural hair. And and I, I loved it. I loved it, but I just didn't see how it would be achievable for me because I was, I, I'd not really known my texture. So what's that like then growing up? Perhaps, you know, as you said, you had your hair straightened from very young. Did you have any perception of the fact that you were altering your sort of natural state? Or was that just something that evolved as you grew up? When I was younger, I just thought it was what you did to your hair. Yeah. I just thought this is what we do. This is how we do our hair. This is how we style our hair and stuff. I didn't, I definitely didn't think, oh, mum, you're altering how my hair really is I didn't see it like that I knew what it was doing but I just didn't look at it in that way or that or from that perspective and it did yeah and it was probably like that right up until I want to say my first year of uni or my or when I was coming out of my second year and going into my third actually that was when I was like actually I know that I have nice hair that like I know my I really like my texture from what mm -hmm. I've seen from the roots when they've come through before. I've had a touch of the relaxer. And, you know, my dad's side of the family have really soft, 
curly hair and things like that so I'd see certain hair textures and think hmm and then I was always told like my mom always used to tell me like Renee like you you have really nice hair like when you were younger I couldn't even style it because it wouldn't stay in a style like it would just the curls would just pop out and she's like you've got your granddad's hair like my dad's dad um was mixed his hair was was beautiful my mom was like it looked like curly perm <laughs> <laughs> And don't get me wrong, like, in fact, both sides of my family, like mom and dad, everyone's hair is like, they've got really good hair, like thick textured hair. So even if it's like for 3C to 4 to 4C, all of their, everyone's hair, all their hair textures are beautiful. Like, mm. so I'd seen that, but I just, in my head, it's like, we relax it and that's it. Um, but like I said, when I got to, when I was going into my final year, I was like, okay, I'm going to not relax it. I'm going to just carry on weaving my hair and stuff because I used to wear weave um, and I'll just straighten it. So where the transitioning parts were, I'd be just straightening it. And I was trying to get it to a length where I'd be comfortable enough to cut it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be chopped at uni. So I don't know if I'm going ahead of your questions. No, no, no. It's good. We just roll. We just roll. Yeah, I'd be chopped. <laughs> I'd be chopped at uni and my friend and I at the time, she big chucked before me um, and we lived together. So I I cut off her relaxed ends with um, Ikea scissors. And I think at that time I had just started transitioning. So what was that like to be a part of somebody else's hair journey like that, snipping away those relaxed ends? You know ends? what, so this, was, this, this isn't actually a really interesting point actually because we were doing this in 20, 2009, 2010. And at this point, it was like, you're doing what to your hair? Like, no one did that. Everything mm-hmm. was weave. At that time, everything was weave, 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 weave. And if you weren't wearing weave, you were just relaxing your hair and wearing it out. So I feel I feel like it was new to us because we didn't know what we were doing because there, we didn't have all of this natural hair movement. We didn't have all these YouTubers and these influencers. It was literally like just us two. I think at the time... There was, I can't remember their names. There was Miss Vaughan, Miss Vaughan TV and her sister, Meechie Monroe, who's passed away, God rest her soul, and a few other women. But that was when, like, it was blogs and Curly Nikki. I don't know if you know about Curly Nikki. Remember Curly Nikki? Curly Nikki, she was an American hair blogger. And she, I, I call her one of the trailblazers because it was her blog that actually helped me be confident enough to continue the journey. So... We had little resource, but we knew we wanted to just embrace our hair as it was. So I was excited to be honest because my friend, she has like, I want to say three C curls, four A. And um, I was like, oh, if my hair's going to look like this, I'm going to be so. So I was like, yep, come on then. And we snipped off all of the ends. And then she had this like curly little fro and it, she looked cute. And then when it was my time, I was like, I wanted to wait like another year or so or wait till it was long. And I said, I just can't. Because this is what I was going to do. I remember now. It's all coming back. I was going to grow it out really long and then relax it again. Does that make sense? <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what I was thinking or what my logic was, but I was like, yeah, I'm going um, <laughs> to grow it out. So it's all healthy and natural. And then I'm going to relax the healthy, natural hair and then have the length stupid yeah I just I just cut hers and then she cut mine a few months later and was that a big occasion for you 
Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like at that point, I was like, I just don't care because it started to become really hard to style my hair. Because mm-hmm. what I was, I remember I was doing was I was braiding my hair and I didn't know about the lock method, didn't know about using water to spritz. I didn't know about sealing anything. I didn't know about any of that. Um, but I remember at the time as well in the hair shops, the beauty supply, they didn't have any products for natural hair. Everything was, you know, still for relaxed textures. So yeah. um, I remember going into the shop and just being like, right, okay, what looks like the safest thing to use on my hair that doesn't have mineral oil in it and parabens and sulfates and all of that so I found like this kids line I thought maybe the kids stuff will be better on my hair because it's softer so I remember I bought this what's it called one of the kids brands I can't remember what it was but it had shea butter in it Mm. and because of all the 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 few youtubers were like shea butter shea butter shea I was like okay it's got shea butter really let me try this so I remember braiding my hair with it and I have like the the natural textures at the top and then the relaxed at the bottom but they look like rat's tails So I thought, no, okay, it needs to come off. So at that point, I was like, I want to just start fresh. So I was a bit nervous, but I was more so nervous about just how I'd make it work and what looks I'd do. And I remember my my boyfriend at the time was like, what's happening? Like, are you going to just leave it like that? What are you going to do? Like, and then when I started to do twist outs and style it and really try, he'd be like, actually, do you know what? It's nice. And then yeah. a few friends were like, actually, this is nice, you know. And then, I, you know, I had comments from friends back home because I was at uni and they were like, are you going to leave your hair like that? Like, what are you going to do? How does that make you feel when people are saying, you know, you've taken this big, bold stance to cut off the hair that you've always known? And then you've got people saying, mm, are you going to leave it like that? Like, how does that feel? It felt, I was, I feel like for me, I've always been one of those people where it's like, don't yet yeah, like you're disrespectful get out of my face kind of thing and it's like you don't understand what I'm doing but you'll see mm. and I just find it funny because the same people that said that a few years a couple years year later I'm going natural I'm going natural because it started <laughs> to grow it started to grow momentum the movement was growing momentum people were realizing like oh actually who said that we have it? where did this come from why were we relaxing our hair good hair came out by Chris Rock as well mm. So people have started to to realise like, okay, we don't need to do this. Let's try and embrace what what we've been given. It was a bit annoying at first, to be honest. But I knew I was like, this is me now. And this is what I want to do with my hair. It was a struggle. Like it took me years to find what really worked and methods that were healthy for my hair. And it took a, a while to be comfortable with wearing it all the way fully out. And I remember I posted a picture of, I had like a, my little TWA and I had a little headband on and I posted a picture on Facebook and uh, a girl I know from college was like, what did you do to your hair? Really? Yeah, on the comments. But these are the but people, because it's like, we, we don't do that. We don't show our texture. We relax it. As soon as you see your root, you relax it. So mm. I think everyone was just like, what's going on? But for me, I'm like, when I'm determined to make something work, I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And our hair started to flourish. My friend and I, our hair was flourishing. Trial and error, but yeah, like it's been, what year are we in? 2021. It's 11 years. Wow. But I went natural way before there it was a thing. So, yeah. and I remember when I was like, oh, the movement's here now. Who knows how long it's going to last? I didn't think, well, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't anticipate that it would be so big. 
but I feel like when I started to lock into Curly Nikki online and I saw the community of black women that were doing the same, I said, okay, this is here to stay. And how does that feel like to make that change and to embrace all that you are in terms of like identity? Did you feel any different? I did. Yeah. You know what? You're actually drawing out a lot now because I'm remembering things because I was like, so from a young age, my hair was always on point. Ask anybody, you know, my mom used to do my hair really nice, like, because she was, she used to do hairdressing and stuff. So my hair was always styled, always looked good, whether it was cane roll, like, you know, like the bubble braid, like the bubble braids and the, the braids that, you know, like the bubbles that go clink, clink, clink when you knock your head, all of that, um, beads, everything. And then I'd braid my hair a lot. So I'd wear braids different colours, cane roll, all of that, everything. My cousin was a hairdresser, so she knew all like the latest hair extension technology, so she'd be doing that on my hair. So I was just always kind of like a step ahead where my hair was concerned and not realising that a big part of my identity was tied to my hair. So when I chopped it off, it was like, right, Renee, you don't have anything to hide behind now. You don't have anything to... Not that I was hiding, but... Before, I wouldn't be able to show my, my natural textured hair. I'd wear my relaxed hair out, but I'd have a weaving or something. And it was just, I remember realising that, okay, now I'm actually going to be wearing weaves and things like that out of choice and not necessity mm-hmm. and not feeling like I need this to look good or to feel beautiful. Now I'm actually feeling amazing at that because everything that I do is by choice rather than just feeling like okay it needs to be covered or put away so it was the start of me really embracing me and that's been a that's what was 11 years ago um and I'm still there with many things but the hair thing definitely kicked that journey off um and being comfortable in my skin definitely started there I'm smiling because I'm just like wow I'm literally just like wow okay I forgot about all of that um and then you know it was like okay I have to not have to learn how to feel attractive again to me and does this I'm I'm looking at my hair and I'm like do I feel attractive today and then I remember when I started to um, upload more pictures onto Facebook and I'd be like I'm a thing, you know <laughs> like I look good you know look at my little twist out and my little TW and my hair was short I'm like, look at my little twist out in TWA. And, and then I started to do updos and stuff. And then I was like, okay, do you know what? I'm, I'm getting this now and I like it. At what point um, would you say, do you think you became consciously aware of the impact of European beauty standards upon the black community? Mm. Consciously, probably like, I feel like it was music videos, you know, that kind of made me kind of look at things sideways a little bit, where I was like, it's an, it seems like it's an imperative to look a certain way. Yeah. I don't even, I feel like the conscious moments definitely came when I was a lot older, so maybe even like towards the end of school, college times. But when I was younger, I definitely did notice, like, this is just a, a look that's preferred mm-hmm. and it's not it's not even natural to us and to our features. For sure, I definitely say it was It was some of the music videos I'd watch. And it was black women in the music videos, but it's like, it's black women with long straight hair. 
blonde yeah. like as well and just yeah. that rise of the hip-hop honey wasn't it yeah and... it was the vixen the video of yeah. and, and stuff and you kind of just put beauty at the level of that that you saw on the tv and you associated beauty with what was in your face every day and to be honest it's not yeah to be honest I'd say it's probably those days because then it would always be like oh you know for instance like if you if you were mixed you had better hair mm. and to be honest I remember at college one day my hair was relaxed but because my hair's always been kind of soft it looked even softer with the relaxer so I remember being in college one day in the common room and I just had I think I had my hair just like back and this guy was like what color are you and I was like what are you talking about mm. <laughs> you can see what color I'm he's like no but what's in you and I was like black and black he was like oh because your hair texture and I'm like okay and that's when I was like okay there's something really wrong here because you can be black and have naturally straight hair we've seen it you know because Mm. of social media we see more now but I to be honest I don't think it's a lot of us consciously know that this stuff is happening even today we don't realize so I think it's only when I started to research and read and dig for myself that I was like yeah we're actually we've been backed into a corner here yeah and, and we've been really, con- we've con- been convinced that we can't be beautiful without X, Y, Z. Yeah. And that wasn't until probably I did start the journey for myself. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Absolutely. So you spoke a bit about going through your journey, returning back natural when you were at uni. So what were you studying at uni? Um, I was studying um, joint honours, media and journalism degree. Okay. So is that, is that, what formed your road into writing and journalism or did you have an interest before then that was I did that because I was like I feel like I need to do this to get to where I want, where I want to be but I've been writing from a young age six seven and I remember I used to write my imagination was just insane and I'd write about things that the teacher would be like Renee, like go and show this to the head teacher because she needs to see this like this is brilliant and I remember there were like t- two occasions where she sent me to the head teacher's office because she was like, this woman needs to see this girl's work today because this is amazing. I've just always loved writing and coming up with stories and just letting my imag- imagination run free. I love language. I love words. So growing up, I always knew that I wanted to be in the media, working in the media and writing somehow. I'd always said from a young age, and I still, I still have this where I'm just like, I want my own publishing house, publish books different forms of media so I went to college and I did a BTEC media course for two years and that was very practical and that was you know things like film photography radio and then because I didn't necessarily get the journalistic element at college I was like okay at union I want to make sure that I'm studying heavily into the journalism side of things because I want to write, you know, and I wanted to do music journalism because I'm heavily into music as well. So, yeah, that's kind of what led me to the degree. And it's, and it's amazing to me because I've always just about managed to get through. So I didn't do well in my GCSEs at all, at all. Same. But, <laughs> ugh, at all, like it's appalling. If I could go back, I'd be like, okay, let me at least try and get my five 
you know, my five, what is it, A star to C grades. Didn't even, I got four, I got four, but I didn't apply myself like that. I didn't try hard enough, but it was like, I knew that with that four, that would get me onto my BTEC course. So they accepted me onto that. And then with my BTEC course, I did, I did okay, actually. I think I got merit, I think. Why um, do you think that, sorry to cut you, but why do you think it was that you didn't fully apply yourself when you were at school? I've always, I know this now, but I'm not an academic type of woman, type of girl, back then girl, woman now, not that. I'm very much, give me something practical to do and pick up and learn and I'll smash it. And it's not that I'm not smart. I'm very intelligent. It's just that I don't have the concentration levels to sit and to learn something in theory and for there to be no practical end result to it, if that makes sense. I just, and I feel like I'd kind of, if I wasn't good at something, instead of like pushing myself to, to, to be good, I'd almost kind of clam up and freeze and think, forget it, I just can't even be bothered. Like, I'm not going to be able to do it. It's it's a lost cause, leave it. So I'd really apply myself to the areas where I was stronger instead. English, because obviously I, I love words, language, writing. I smashed English, absolutely smashed English. I did well in um, cooking. Um, I can't remember the other subjects, it was a long time ago. PE, I think, well, and I don't remember the other one. But it was like, those are the areas where I was either pushed by my teacher because they believed in me or it's because I enjoyed it. So if it's something that I don't enjoy or I struggle with, I'll just, I tended to naturally just carry away from it. I, I just, I, I knew like, okay, if I can just get this, I can get to college. And then at college, it was like, it didn't feel as hard, hard going because I enjoyed the course and the experience. And I got an unconditional offer to uni anyway. So even when I got the letter, I was like, so they're telling me that even if I don't, you know, get merit or a distinction and I just get a pass, they're going to have me. But they were like, we want to invite you onto this course. So I was like, okay. So that's how I know, like, it's just when something's your path and when something's for you and when you're kind of aligned with what you're supposed to be doing, it does actually, things fall into place and things work work out as they should um so sometimes I think it's only God you know because I don't know how I made it through education like that because I'm not I'm definitely not an, not an academic person at all how did you come from Birmingham and end up in London so um I went to university in Leicester I kind of already had like the moving around bug whatever you want to call it um but I came back home but so I was living in Warsaw at the time before I went to uni we lived in Wensbury which is just outside of Birmingham it's in the black country um I went to uni from there came back and then moved to Warsaw to live with my cousin for a little bit I'll never forget this this period in my life because I was heavily depressed heavily depressed I'm a high functioning person, so I don't wear it um, physically. Like you wouldn't see it, you wouldn't know. I just kind of get on with things, but I just felt like I need direction, I need guidance. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's a lot that's kind of happening and popping off in my life right now that's hard to deal with. So because I'm quite a proactive person, I 
made sure that I was always doing something and working towards the, the goal. So I even remember signing up to media voluntary work just so I could get my name on something and put it on my CV. I'd signed on at the job centre. I think a lot of us did after uni. I'd signed on. I was looking for jobs actively all day, every day. I, I went back to night college to get my maths GCSE. So this is how I, I'm very, I'm determined when I'm ready. Cause I was like, no, this is bad. I need, I need a grade. I think I was working, I was working in the day or looking for work and then going to night college and just trying to keep myself busy and just not be idle. I met someone at my church, the church that I was going to at the time. I was just not in a good place. And a lady that went there, she was like, you know, how can I help? Is there anything I could help with? Where are you at at the moment? And I was like, we just got into the topic of me having just left uni and just looking for work in media or journalism. Um, And I told her I had a blog and stuff because I was writing at the time. The blog was called out. That's where Out the Box came from because the blog was called Out the Box. So I was writing, just trying to keep my my craft sharp and stuff. And I told her about all of that. And then she was just like, okay, I know someone who works in media and might be able to kind of point you in the right direction or mentor you in some capacity. Um, And she gave me his email and I emailed him and I just said, you know, I'm Renee, I've just left uni, I'm looking for work in media. And he he was like, okay, let's meet. So we met up in, it was, I think it was like a cafe somewhere. And this is the first time I'd ever kind of tried, like reached out to someone in that way. Usually I'm like, I'm not hollering, I'm going to holler. But that was when I was like, okay, Renee, like if you want something, you need to go and get it. You need to connect and network. And that's probably like my first proper experience of real networking aside from online because I was writing for a magazine as well at the time online so I was really trying I was doing so many different things and I told him I'm like I'm doing all of this I'm applying I'm not getting anywhere it's hard like what do I what do I do can you help me and then he was like okay I'll send you jobs and things that I see and opportunities and then he said will you move out of Birmingham or the West Midlands and I was like I don't really want to because I remember being at uni and I remember saying like, you're never going to catch me in London, you know, you're never going to catch me there. I'm not going there. And it's funny because a lot of my friends from uni are from London, but I just thought it's just, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not the place for me. I don't want to go there. And he asked me, he was like, would you move? And I was like, I don't know. I guess so. If I had to, thought nothing more of it. So he'd send me things. I'd carry on doing my voluntary work and my online writing and all of that. And then I started working in retail. And I remember during that period, like, because I have like a, 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 a tight relationship with God. And because I was really going through it at the time, like I was just praying hard, journaling hard, talking to him a lot. And I remember like, just feeling like he was saying like, no complaining, no complaining in this time and period and season, no complaining. I remember it vividly because I had so much to complain about and be upset about. And I remember like just feeling like I'm working my ass off. I'm going to work. I don't like this job. I'm not where I want to be. And I'm like, don't complain. Don't complain. I'm I'm folding clothes. (laughs) I'm serving customers. And I'm like, no complaining. I'm tired. You know, my health was in the best place. I was in pain. I was just like, "Mm, okay, be positive, be optimistic, be hopeful. And then one of the roles that 
this guy, this gentleman sent to me was uh, one in London. And I looked at it and immediately I was like, that's my job. It wasn't even like, oh, I'm going to get that job. I was like, this is this role is for me. I just know. And I was like, what is in London? And I was just like, I don't want to go there. And I was like, but it's for me. Oh, okay, let me apply. So I applied. It, honestly, I'll never forget like the whole application process. He was helping me. And then my cousin that I lived with, she was helping me to fill it out. And I was like, okay, is this okay? I got scared one day and I sent it before um, my mentor had checked it because he took long to get back to me. And he was like, why did you send it? Like, recall it so we can send it again. And I was like, they're going to think I'm on serious. But it was fine. Um, Sent my application in, got called in for an interview. I was like, okay, cool. I I was broke. I was so broke at the time. Disgustingly broke. Like, and my dad was like, okay, I can drive you to London. Because, you know, this is a big thing. Like, it's your first interview for a big role you know, that pertains to your degree, I'll take you. So I was like, okay. And I think my interview was, I believe in lunchtime or in the morning. I knew that we would have had to set off early, but midnight, the midnight before, my dad's called me and he's like, Renee, the eight, I'm with the RAC, my car's broken down. Oh no. That is not the time. <laughs> not the time. My car's broken down. So we're going to have to, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, balling. I started crying because I was like, nothing works. I'm trying not to complain and I'm trying not to be, you know, miserable. And I'm trying not to have a negative view on things, but nothing's working. I can't get a catch a break. I'm just tired. So I, I ripped up the um, interview letter in the hoff and I threw it and I said to my cousin I'm not going forget it I can't be bothered like there's too many barriers and she was like you're going she started shouting she was like you're going you're going and I could hear her in the next room praying <laughs> and she was like you're going you're going you're not doing this and I was, she was like call them in the morning wake up at 6am and call the office and leave a message and tell them what's happened and ask me if they can move your time and you might have to get the train and I was like, but how? I don't even know how to, I don't know London, I'm going to get lost. She was like, you could, we're going to have to think of something. So I used my last £40, which was for a driving lesson, and I used it. And I was just like, right, I'm, let's go, let's do this. They moved my time. I went by myself. And long story short, did the interview. And then I think the next day, I didn't hear anything. My phone didn't ring. So I was like, mm, maybe I haven't got it. Everyone around me was like, you've got that. You've got it. The people that I worked with were like, you've got it. My driving instructor was like, well, this is our last lesson. And I was like, bro, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, he was like, I know you're going you're gonna to go to London. And I, I deep down did know, but you know, you don't want to get too excited. So I checked my voicemails after work one day. And then it was the HR manager. She was like, you've got the role. And I was just crying my eyes out like, oh my God. So that's how I ended up moving. And I had to tell that backstory because there's just so much in that about perseverance, belief, not speaking negatively in like what seems like the worst season and just, you know, not giving up on the dream and the goal. And so I was working for the Salvation Army magazine 
for seven years, did that straight for seven years, um, full time. And yeah, that's kind of like where my journalism career really started. But it, it was different in the sense of I was actually doing everything. So going out, doing interviews, doing photography. So you um, interviewed Candy Statton? I interviewed Candy Statton. How wow. do you know that? I do my research, girl. Mm, I do my research. <laughs> I interviewed, I interviewed I, I, see, you reminded me of that. I interviewed so many people, so many people, like icons, like Candy Statton. What was that was, like? She was, um, she was amazing. It was on the phone. Um, That's my, my, her Young Hearts Run Free is one of my mom's like all-time favourite songs. We had a, and she's so lovely. Like, you know, when it's like you're talking to like an aunt, auntie energy, a lovely chat. I don't, yeah, there's so too many people to reel off, to be honest. Um, but I've spoken to some heavy hitters, like famous, famous people. Um, I've traveled for work, you know, I've gone to Israel with the Ministry of Tourism, like they had us out there doing stuff, and it was just an amazing experience and it stretched me beyond belief. But it just got to the point where I knew that I needed to kind of spread my wings and just start my own, my own things um, and carve out another path for myself. But um, I'd already had out the box kind of going on the side for about three years before I'd left, three or four years before I'd left. So I knew that I needed to put a lot of energy into it. Um, so what was the motivation and the inspiration for getting that started? So Out the Box was born when I was at university and it wasn't even planned per se. It kind of happened because my lecturers, they were just kind of like, I'm here to do my job. (laughs) And, you know, this doesn't make sense. Like, why did you write about that? So like I said to you, I was really into music. I'd write about hip hop, I'd write about just urban culture, I don't like the word urban, but black culture, the black community. It's so funny because I'm like, look where I am now, what I'm doing, it's just so funny. And um, they just didn't understand the subject matters, but then they kind of come at it from the angle of, but this isn't this isn't what we understand, so therefore it's not good. Mm. So I was just like, I feel really boxed in on this course. Let me, instead of being defeated by the feeling, I'm going to start a blog and keep my craft sharp. I'm going to just keep writing, keep honing my style, my voice. And I just would write about probably more me and where I was and what I was feeling. Because I'm a big journaler. I've been journaling since I was like 12 or so. So I've always been like that and I'm wanting to share my journey all the time. And so I was using it for that. And then I started to interview um, people that I thought were just inspiring. So you know, my god sister always used to put on her own fashion shows and create her own clothes and had her own clothing line. I knew musicians, I knew um, different, yeah, just different kinds of creatives. And I was like, I'm around a lot of creatives and a lot of innovators. Let me write about them on the blog. And then I kind of, it stopped for a few years and then the riots happened. And I remember just watching the TV and feeling like, Look at all these these amazing young black people. 
Are we talking about the riots that kicked off off the back of Mark Duggan? Mark Duggan, yeah, the murder. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just sitting there and watching the TV, and I just uh, I thought, I'm sick of it being the only time that we're seen on TV in such capacity is when it's negative or when you want to be oh these thugs and X Y Z. And I just thought we need to be seen for more than this. And I just felt this strong sense that I needed to showcase these young people a lot more. And because I was already doing it, I was like, right, I'm going to go ham. I'm going ham. So I started to just be like, like, let me interview you. But that didn't happen until two years later. So I sat on it for two years. And that was simply because I was just going through a lot in my personal life. So it took a, uh, it took a back stair or a back seat to just to life. And then I started it up again, probably like 2013 with the writing. 2014, I was like, right, I'm not, remember Blogspot? Yeah. Yeah. Blogspot. I was using Blogspot. Vintage. Literally like with the orange logo with the B, I was using that. And um, I said, okay, this doesn't look, you know, I want a proper website. I want people to go to a place where they can just read all these stories about these amazing creatives and pioneers and I'm, I'm going to just make it, you know, I've got it in my head how I want it. I had my brother design the logo, the logo, which we have now. He designed that for me. Um, I've got a web designer, well, a web developer to, to do me a WordPress template style website. And then I started gathering stories and features, got them all written, got them all. And this was, this was July, July 2014. And then I launched like website, all these stories, showcasing these amazing creatives, come and read them. And then I kind of just was like, okay, I don't know what to do with it next. And a friend of mine, like we used to meet up and strategize and he'd always help me like with my ideas. And he'd always say to me, you know, in, you know, you, you, you can really take this somewhere, you know, develop it. Why don't you do events? And I was like, events, I'm going to do that. Like, that's a big feat. He was like, no, do, do events because it would be great to kind of give it another dimension. And then for me, I was like, it's true because it's one thing reading about people, but to be in the room with them and to feel that energy and to have that exchange in the flesh is different. I remember this the day I was at work at the magazine and I was listening to TD Jakes and he said something, he said something about if you don't try and step out and do it, you're, you're not going to ever know like you have to take the step and I was thinking about asking Google campus if I could use their space for the first one and I was like but I don't have money <laughs> I don't you know I'm not big in the game like that so they could just easily be like who are you go away but I looked on their website and I saw that they were like giving their space out for free as long as it kind of benefited the business community and I was like no I'm going to go for it so I got the space and then we had our first out of the box event in 2015. And then we had another one in the summer of 2016. And then from there, it just kept happening. Like, it was just going, going. Like, we had like 70 people at the first one. Um, the second one was the summer of 2016. And it was um, when the Black Lives Matter movement had really kind of taken off a lot more. I think it was after Mike Brown that summer so the atmosphere and the conversations that we were having in that space were just on fire and I was like okay there's something there's something happening here like we really have something 
and yeah we've just been going ever since like I can't even tell you how many events we've had 30 something don't sleep on what you're doing sometimes it feels like no one cares you get one like no one watches your content or or sees you you're seen you are so seen when we had our I can't remember what number event it was but I worked in an art gallery don't ask (laughs) I worked in an art gallery at the weekends a small little vintage one and this woman walks in this um, beautiful black woman, she walks in and she was like, oh, you know, how much for this? And she was like, so what do you do? And I was like, what are you asking me what I do for? I'm working here. Like, she was like, no, what do you do? And I was like, so we just started talking about work and stuff. And then she was like, I work at um, Workspace for the Workspace group. And what you're doing sounds really good. Like, we should talk about more about what you're doing because we might be able to give you some space. What? <laughs> I was looking for space to have our neck, like I was looking for space and I was for free because I was like, we don't have budget for, for those sorts of things. And she was like, you can come and use us. And I was just like. Divine alignment. Like, no, she just, the way she even walked in, I was like, she didn't even buy anything. I don't think she even bought, I don't remember her buying anything. She was just um, browsing around. It's a really nice shop. And I was just like, what's happening? Like, this is insane. And it's like, th- those are mo- those are the moments where I feel like, no one is helping, no one sees, no one supports. I don't know where to go. And people would just be coming across my path all the time. Like God was just lining up people to come and help me to, to really push this thing. So we had two events at Workspace and we were just packing out the room, you know, every time. And we had some amazing conversations in there and events. And then after that Workspace event, I got a DM from Quaker Street who were like, yeah like you we see you we see what you're doing and it's amazing we want you to come and use our space just come and do stuff in the coffee shop huh (laughs) so I was like okay cool 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 I can I can never doubt out the box like even when I'm stressed or having a low moment or it's a lot of work I will never let that get in the way of what it really is because even if I wanted to stop and even if I said, I'm not doing this anymore, it, it's not it's not happening because mm-hmm. people will just come and be like, here, take this, use this as a resource to carry on doing what you're doing. So we, we spent a year and a bit in Quaker Street once a month having events for the creative community. But I wanted them to be workshops where people were actually like taking skills away yeah, um, and, and learning on like a deeper level. So we kind of had small intimate sessions once a month we'd set up the space it was literally in the coffee shop in the space they'd serve bubble tea you know um we'd use the projector for like the session slides and we we did uh, media music tech film marketing publishing and it was just amazing and some of the things that came out of that and we had a women in business one as well and and just the stories that people were telling me about how they left their roles that they weren't happy in and went to somewhere new or set up this company or met this person. And it, I met people out of it, you know, the amount of people that I've met at my own event <laughs> that have helped me in other ways and the friendships that I've developed, it's just been amazing. So yeah, out the box, it's, it's a community. It's a community and we've changed and evolved over the years. Like we're doing different things now, but 
Well, I know you've had to take everything online, haven't you, with yeah. the, the pandemic? Yeah. 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 But the ethos is still the same. It's not changed at all. I'm talking so not much. No, no, it's good. That's what that's what conversation is all about, because this is this is the thing. It's like on the surface when we talk about like the podcast and the curl squad, it's like it seems really superficial. But more often than not, like from the outside looking in, they see us on Instagram, all hair, all this. And and, and that's how it comes across. But mm. underneath all of this hair, there's this story of identity, of journey, of overcoming, of, um, yeah, just like things that are divinely set up for us if we're mm. able to look and to see the opportunity. So this is exactly the conversation that I'm wanting to have with the people that I'm inviting on the show because I've got my own journey with that as well. And I think it's important for people who are listening or for people who are watching to be able to look and to see people who look like them that are out there that are doing it, you know, despite the obstacles, despite the challenges, despite perhaps the lack of confidence and, and, and different things that we've come up against that are still out there. And they're doing things that are for the betterment of other people to help to raise the opportunity for people like us. And for me, mm -hmm. that's really important. And mm -hmm. that's really powerful. So um, I'm, I'm here to hear it all. And that's why like, thank you for this space, because I don't, I, I love you know, sharing about what I do and tips and things like that. But I can't talk about what I do without talking about the divine elements and the things that God does and sets up because I'm because it's about being in alignment all the time. If you're not in alignment, things can't come your way. I've got goosebumps. It's, That's alignment for me when I get those little those little feelings and I'm just like, oh, yeah, sorry. That, that's what it is though and I can't talk about I don't like this whole business and glamorizing entrepreneurship and I'm not even the best business but I'm not like I'm not the best business person like like that I just have vision and I'm all about community building and I'm all about people succeeding it nothing makes me happier than to see people excelling and killing it that's why I don't mind being behind the scenes and I don't mind like people are always like you need to show yourself more and I if I, if I didn't ever do it again, I don't care. As long as people are, are being fed, um, and when I say fed, as long as they're being equipped, as long as they're getting the opportunities that they need in industry and meeting the right people and getting the right information, that's all that matters. So when I speak about what I do, I always have to refer back to how the deep work that I had to do plays a part in getting me to where I'm, I need to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to speak about all of the, the the little things that people don't think about because it's equally as important as what you portray and show online. So I, I can't not come on, on these platforms and be, I have to be transparent and I have to share all of that stuff in the hard parts and it's our duty because otherwise people think that it's all this glamour and this glitz and there's no grit and there's no struggle. And yeah. then you've got people out there tripping because they're like, well, these guys are doing this and it looks so easy and it looks so glamorous because nobody wants to show like what really has to go into it. And I think the more transparent we can be, the more honest and authentic we can be about our experience and the things that hold us back and then the things that push us forward, I think it's really going to help other people to see like that they've got it within them. Everything that they need to be who they want to be is already within them. And yes, there's journeys and curveballs, but it's all part of the process. And you can't always rush the process. 
but you, you spoke a little bit earlier about journaling and how you've journaled for a long time. And um, one of the things that I was going to ask actually is, do you have any daily rituals or habits that help to keep you on track? So is that something that you continue to do? Is it a daily practice? Is there therapy within that for you? Oh God. So there, well, let me come to the therapy thing in a minute, but journaling for me, before I even, before it became this thing, you know, online which I'm, I'm grateful for because I've always been an advocate for it before I even knew that it could be used as a tool I was just using it as, for myself as a lifeline because sometimes I you know I'd be dealing with and this is from 12 years old but being a writer and just loving words and just getting words out on a page I just write how I felt I write about what was going on I write about what was upsetting me and what happened in that day and just summarizing and just to catch up with myself so I've always been big on self-development. Like I'm big on self-development. If there's one thing about me and if there's one thing I'm going to do is develop <laughs> myself mm-hmm. because I know how important it is to, to feed your soul and to, and to better yourself in that way. Because if you're not good, nothing else in life is going to work or run smooth. Your relationships aren't going to work your business isn't going to thrive like everything that comes out of you has to come from a healthy place so journaling's just been that for me it's been a lifeline it's been a help it's been therapeutic and it's also been something that helps me to be grateful because sometimes I'll read old entries and be like I don't even remember writing that and I don't know how I even got through that like how did you get through but when you've got something to refer to it's always helpful and you can track progress and growth and things like that so it's I used to do it every single day but over the years like life has changed so much and gone busier so I don't do it every day but every couple of weeks or once a week if I can I'll make sure that I'm you know just giving that time to myself to offload and get things out on on the paper and obviously I pray I pray and when I say I pray it's literally just talking to God throughout the day a lot. <laughs> so it'll be to the point where it's like something will be happening. And I'm like, God, what is going on? What is this? And I'll talk and I'll listen and I'll, I'll be quiet and try and, and hear. And okay, cool. So yeah, therapy. I am a big advocate for therapy. Um, I started therapy for the first time in 2017. And I did about 10 sessions, but because it got a bit, it got expensive. So I said, okay, I'm going to give it a break and then come back. And I never did. But 2020, 2020 wasn't the best year for, for the world, we know. But I was just going through it. I was really going through it. And I said, okay, I need to go back. So I went back in August and I've been in therapy since August 2020 every week. And this time around, it's literally it's changing it's changed my life like in the sense of I'm dealing with things that I didn't even think were issues for me I knew about them but I didn't see how they were blockages and I'm just dealing with a lot of a lot of my inner child which we see all the time online but it's a thing like a lot of my inner child trauma I'm dealing with and it's just helping me feel stronger in, in me and myself and who I am and loving me and all of that so yeah that's kind of my development tools development powerful yeah I'm a massive advocate myself for 
therapy. I'm sure you've probably heard me talking about it before. And I just think like as humans from when we're infants, like the first seven years of our life are so key. And it's like we become like onions. So we've got that first level of experience and then everything else that compounds on top of that. And then we get to like 30 and we're like, we're just this bag full of experiences and we haven't always had the chance to process them and to understand them. So I think therapy is a really good tool to be able to help us to peel back those layers of the onion and to get to the heart of, of some of the things that might be holding us back, which is really powerful. So thank you for sharing. Do you have any book recommendations for us, the listeners? Ah, so my friend Candice bought me The Compound Effect last year. It's such a good book. I've got it here, actually. The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Jumpstart your income, your life and your success. Sounds like that's right up my street. It's got like a work, it's got like a workbook. Not like a workbook, but it's got like things that you can go off and do and stuff. And it's like short, like short snippets of things. So like talks about like um, your choices your habits and just different it's it's very practical um so there's that and I don't tend to read a lot of business books you know some sometimes I have periods where I'm like really into them but because I'm I'm big on like the work of the the heart and the soul I'm kind of I'm always trying to like read about things like that so another book that I've been reading I recommend is called All About Love by Bell Hooks and it's not romantic in any sense of the word it's literally a I don't want to say it's an academic look but it's a practical look at the concept of love and what it actually means in different capacities and not just on a romantic level and how even on the romantic level it's not butterflies and it's not giddiness and it's it's yeah it's it's a good book so I feel like those are probably like two that I'd recommend and I'm I'm trying to because I, I started the All About Love last year and I didn't finish it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm terrible for that, you know. <laughs> finish it. So I'm um <laughs> I've started back on it again with with a different head because last year I was just too I was not in I was in too much of a hole to take it in properly. So I feel like now I'm like okay, I'm back with it. Sometimes now. it can be like the right book but at the wrong time. Um, and I know that Kane recommended to me conversations with God. Like he told me to read this about eight years ago. He told me to read that the other day, didn't you, when we were messaging? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I've started it. like I started. a whole trilogy. You've started it? No, I started the message because I'm started. Like, I need to go back and I, I need to, to read. I need to read that. But just trust that you know that it exists. And when the calling is strong enough, that means it's the right time. And um, and that's what happened with me. And when I read it, it just it, it blew my mind. And that I think that that's been um, a key part for me getting through 2020 as well, was just getting that, that perspective. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend that. What have you got coming up? Is there anything that you'd like to plug? Do you have any events or anything scheduled? Um, we have... On the 18th, we have, so we've been doing, working with Google um, to bring the OTB community free webinars. Um, And they've been around um, just making tweaks on your your business marketing. Um, And this next one is about branding. So it's YouTube for your brand. So I recommend every 
Wadi goes to this because YouTube is where the bag is. Of course, people want money, <laughs> want to make money online. Um, and YouTube is very attractive to people, it seems, because the tickets have just been flying off. Um, but it's going to be good because I know that the YouTube rules change quite a bit. So, um, and because it's going to be taught by someone from Google, you know, it's without a doubt, it's going to be solid information. So, and then we've got, um, it's not been released, information hasn't been released yet, but later this month as well, we've got um, Black at Work. So Black at Work came up, that's a whole nother thing. I will go on, I'll, I don't want to go on about it too long, but it's just um, a space for people that, for black people in corporate spaces and how to navigate them. Trust me, it is so needed. It's, it's deep, like, yeah. We, this is going to be our fourth one and the content and the stuff that's been coming out of the previous ones has just been heavy but mm. it's also a lovely space like we laugh the first one like it just felt like home we were just laughing joking talking about the serious stuff but then talking also about the comedic elements of it all because sometimes you have to laugh at the ridiculousness other <laughs> managers foaming at the mouth like like literally just microaggressions i'm surprised you're not kissing your teeth like getting all red and like gammon rage I, i'm just like yeah i was so glad to to see the back of uh the corporate world but that's a story for another day <laughs> but yeah there's there's plenty it, it, but experiences like that though and you know we offer practical advice but we're um, Ivy who I work with Black at Work on we're building it out so it's something that's even going to be used within those corporate spaces so you can't hide from it we're coming for Good. everybody because it's just it's not on but we want it to also be a safe space for black people um so yeah that's exciting so where can people find you and where can they find at the box um so LinkedIn I am Renee Davis 89 I think Instagram I use that the most so it's renee.cd uh, my Twitter is renee2 underscore cd but out the box please show all the love to out the box it's out the box uk on Instagram and out the box uk on Twitter amazing on um, and on LinkedIn too mm -hmm. so do you have a parting word of advice for anyone that's listening to this it can be yeah whatever your heart speaks alignment is everything and you don't have to be on your a game or be perfect or feel your best to, to be aligned being aligned it, it starts here and when i say being aligned it's making sure that your focus that your your prayers that your conversations everything that you're doing is kind of just in line with where you feel like you you want to go where god's taking you and to not sweat the small stuff and to kind of not veer off track by looking at things that don't matter and just trying your best to kind of, even if it means you stay still on that path sometimes, that doesn't mean that you're out of alignment. It just means that you're staying there. God will honor that. Like things will come your way and you'll be like, what? But it's because you stayed aligned. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what's come to my head to say. So I'm going to leave people with that. Makes perfect sense to me. Thank you, Renee. Thank you for your time. It's been a beautiful conversation. And I'm just really excited to see what, what else is in store for you and for Out of the Box. Thank you. So, 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would very much appreciate it if you could kindly rate, review and subscribe. As every time you leave a review, it means you're helping me to amplify our voices in this constant push against the algorithms. Please do share this episode with anyone else that you think might enjoy it. And wherever you are in the world, if there are any particular snippets that resonated with you, I would absolutely love to hear them. So please do post them into your Instagram stories and tag us at the Curl Squad. You can also email me with your favourite bits at info at thecurlsquad.com. I would absolutely love to hear that. And you'll also be entered automatically into our future upcoming giveaways. You can also find us on all the socials at The Curl Squad. So please do come along and follow the ongoing conversation. And until next time, thank you, peace, and see you then. I just want to love you.